This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by The Grill, Aberdeen's oldest whisky bar with over 500 whiskies on offer, alongside a hearty mix of Scottish ales, laggers and much, much more. Whether it's warming up ahead of a cold night in the shed or the beach end, or for a celebratory dram or two after a hard-fought victory, The Grill has been a traditional meeting ground for Dons fans for generations. Add it to your pre- or post-match routine today. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 39 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week, it's Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? Episode 39, take two. That's one for the inside crowd. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a mixed weekend, hasn't it? It has indeed. And due to technical reasons, Graham Steele cannot join us this evening unless you like your podcast to sound as though they're being broadcast from Timbuktu. Who knows? In a week that saw Mark Some McGee, people probably would prefer that for us. Probably would, to be fair. Yeah, that's right. Maybe we need to do some more heavy breathing or something as well. In a week that saw Mark McGee give us some insight into his inspiring initial G-up with his new Dundee team, that saw Andrew Considine's time at Aberdeen Football Club come to an inauspicious end, and that saw the final nail well and truly slammed into the Don's European hopes, it's another busy episode of the ABZFP as we take a look back on the dismal defeat at the hands of Ross County on Saturday. We take a look at the week that's just been and where we see the remainder of our campaign heading before we catch up with the latest news in the young team and our low needs and loan watch. And after the break, in the most timely manner possible, we bring you the results of the inaugural ABZFP end of season awards as voted for by you, the ABZFP Solar System. Yes, handing out the end of season awards after that game. It's uh, a level of being in touch on par with the Tories. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to bring politics into football for those people that don't like that. Those people. But first, Aberdeen nil, Ross County won the SPFL Premiership, Pataudry Stadium, 9th of April 2022. Both sides. Still in the hunt for a top six finish with both needing to win and hope that Hibs hibsed it at Tynecastle. Two changes from Jim Goodwin from the side that drew at Dens Park last week. Goal scorer Calvin Ramsey and Connor McLennan both dropping to the bench to be replaced by Funzo King Ojo and Marley Watkins. And truth be told, a first half of very little quality on display from both sides. It took until the 25th minute for a sniff of goal for either side. A Watkins cross half cleared and Vicente Bajauen managed to square to the on-rushing Ross McCrory, but his effort sailed high over the bar. A David Bates header from a Johnny Hayes cross was easily held by Laidlaw in the county goal in the 43rd minute as the sides went in goalless at half-time. Early in the second half, saw news filter through from Edinburgh that Hearts had gone 2-1 up, and the Dons at least looked to begin to take the game to Ross County. A half-chance from Ferguson and the header from Hayes, but neither effort on target. The Dons making a couple of changes just after the hour mark, McLennan and McKenzie coming on for Watkins and McCrory. But still, the game was a turgid affair with no real quality on display from either side. Ramirez got on the end of a barren cross on 80 minutes, but his shot was blocked by a Ross County defence that was holding firm before the visitors snatched the points in the most dramatic of circumstances as Johnny Hayes was penalised for handball in the box, a decision that seemed... Pretty harsh to most onlookers, the ball having been driven at his hand from a couple of yards away. Hungbo, just on the park, dispatched his penalty straight down the middle of Joe Lewis's goal. And that was that. Ross County holding on for the three points. And it's the Highlanders who take the final spot in the top half of the glob. And the Dons consigned to a bottom six finish for the first time since the 2012-2013 season. Gav, your thoughts on that one? It's time to break up the notebook. Let's get the notebook out. Here we have it. 1-0 defeat to Ross County at Pataudry. Ross County have taken five points off of us this season. They have indeed. Let that sink in. 
Jim Goodwin's record becomes one win, three defeats, and three draws. I typically have a list of things to to comment on, but you might notice there is one entry here, and it simply reads excruciating. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be like some sort of group therapy session tonight. Oh, that's what we're all here for, isn't it? I think so. Um, I, I almost don't even know what to say about the game on Saturday. You know that? There's so little to talk about. <laughs> I think um, it's just... From both teams' perspective, you could not tell that both <laughs> yeah. teams need to win this game. And of course, you know, for what feels like the 33rd league week in a row, everything goes our way that we need to happen out with our own business. You know, Hibs yeah. are Hibs. Um, people around me were concerned when Hibs went one up in the first five minutes. And you're like, guys, just calm down. This is all part of the Hibsing process. If anything, they should have gone two or three up and then lost. Um, so yeah, things go our way and then we just just didn't come anywhere close to performing the way we needed to. And it was just, yeah, just awful. Just a, a terribly, terribly insipid performance once again in a must-win fixture for I don't know how many times, the upteenth time this season. Um, it's, it's really hard to pick guys out of the team yesterday who come away with pass marks I think um Connor Barron's probably the only one I would suggest maybe Declan Gallagher I thought Gallagher did his did his work to a, to a reasonable standard yesterday but across the rest of the pitch just a real if, if you wanted to understand how our season has gone you could pretty much just watch that game yesterday and that pretty much I would suggest encapsulates our entire season in 90 minutes Slow, ponderous in possession, lots of possession, but doing nothing with it. Creating very little in the way of clear-cut opportunities. It's taking a fucking age to get the ball moved through the lines. And then, despite dominating a game in terms of possession and territory without really creating anything clear-cut, somehow contrived to lose a game against a team who didn't actually have a shot on target in the entire 90 minutes. Yeah, it was all just the worst elements of the season in one game, as far as I could see. Um, like you say, slow, no real attacking plan in evidence. Um, a long diagonal to Marley Watkins, which worked a couple of times, but you know, not to the extent you'd think, right, that's the way we go. And um, yeah, not game Bajawan. Bajawan wasn't great yesterday either, to be fair, and on his on the point of Vicente, the the diving and the play acting it's funny at times games like yesterday not so much so uh maybe can yeah. just put a lid on it a little bit um but yeah i think i tend to agree that connor baron was as good as it got and it wasn't anywhere near connor's best game either once again insipid excruciating turgid stuff yeah terrible i mean in a way we've been beating the drum now for <clears throat> what feels like, I don't know, the last, it feels like since Christmas, probably, it might even be longer than that, that we were still in contention. We were still in contention for a European spot. Um, I was talking to someone about this earlier on, in a roundabout way, and it's not where I want us to be, to, to be missing out on those places, but in a roundabout way, given we have a new manager in the door, and we'll come on to the manager in a couple of minutes, there's a part of me feels that actually finishing in the top six or finishing in a European spot would have papered over the cracks that are so evidently there that in a weird way, actually finishing where we're going to finish, as long as it's not out of the top flight, and, and we can come on to that in a minute, is perhaps not the worst thing in the world for the long-term future of the club. There is an element of mixed feelings over it because the reality is we've missed out on a potential opportunity to make some some real money next year out of out of Europe. Absolutely. And that's just, we've allowed that to, to slip through our hands. And it's pretty unforgivable that the way that's happened. Um, but like you say, finishing top six, I think in a league table, at the end of the day, you tend to get what you deserve. But if we'd finished fourth, for example, it would have been an absolute fluke. And just a, a damning indictment on the rest of the teams in the league rather than an indication of anything that we're doing well. Um, so yeah, it's no one has bluffed their way into making Jim Goodwin think, actually, you know what? That guy might be okay. That guy might be part of my plans for next season. He will now have had it laid bare in ways 
so stark that make him realize the scale of the challenge that he is he has got at this club. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I was going to touch on this later on, but I think maybe now is the opportune time because you've just done it there. Um, in a way, now with the way the season's worked out again, um, it does really put into sharp focus once again the decision of the of the board, the club, the chairman to put a rookie manager in charge at the start of this season when everybody knew that a third place finish at the start of this campaign would guarantee you European football up until the Christmas period as a bare minimum. The the rewards that come with that, okay, it's not as, um, the, the, if, if you're in the conference league, they're not going to be as vast as they may be even in the Europa League, but still for a club like Aberdeen, as it will be for Hearts, it will be game-changing money to be getting in the door. It's very galling given the record we've had in Europe over the last few seasons. And I know people will say, well, we've not done enough in Europe to 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 to, to justify saying this. And there's an argument of, uh, there's an element of truth in that, but at the same time, we have also actually held our own in Europe to an extent in the last few seasons. We've very rarely outperformed our seeding, but we've never fallen short of where our seeding would have been from that perspective. So we were doing kind of as solidly as we could have done. Coefficient has also been benefited, has, has benefited in the last couple of seasons due to the performances of a certain team at Glasgow. Um, it's, it's just really galling that we are not going to be able to benefit from that this season. And it does really put into sharp focus once again, the decision to make the managerial appointment that we did at the start of the season, it really brings it back into sharp focus. Yeah, I mean... We'll talk about players and managers and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think the um we saw the leadership at the fan zone yesterday, and I'd like to think that they will have taken that game in and taken in everything they've seen and realize that the people in our club who ultimately in charge of making the big calls need to have a real good long look at themselves in the mirror and reflect yeah. upon and reflect upon what they've done to the club in this last 12, 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know it's one of these things that, you know, no managerial appointment is a guaranteed success and you could put, you know, the best manager in the world in a particular role and it just doesn't work out for certain reasons. But it feels like it was an unnecessary gamble um, given what was at stake this season. It's one of them, isn't it? Because, like, obviously, yesterday condemned us to bottom six and yeah, the typical things come out and when it comes to the manager that was in before Stephen Glass and I think we can all still agree that the decision to remove Derek McInnes was the correct one. Yep, agreed. But then, I'm going to sound completely counterproductive here, but like probably top six of Derek McInnes was still here. Yeah, pr- pr- probably. But that's not me saying, just putting into focus that the um, the decisions we've taken, Derek McInnes parting with Aberdeen was the right call as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. Yeah. It's the decisions that have been taken since then. And we've seemed to have had a pretty good reason to believe that the plan was always for McInnes to leave at the end of last season. McInnes said it himself. He was yeah. he was going to leave anyway. So, so there was all that time to plan, put things in, in place, and we've just completely fucked it up. And like I say, that's why Cormac, Gunn, everyone that's involved in the decision-making process needs to reflect on what they've done this season. Yeah, I completely agree about that. I mean, I think you're right. I think this is one... I, I, I really don't want to dwell about Derek McInnes again, but all these people that talk about, you know, getting rid of McInnes, getting rid of McInnes, like he was going anyway. It's a total moot point, this idea about whether the club decided to remove him or whether he went. Okay, they removed him three months earlier than he was going to, but he was going to go... We were going to replace him with somebody anyway. People need to get past the, this idea about the club sacking him. He was gone anyway. That's a total moot point. The problem is, therefore, what's happened after that. And, yeah, listen, we all want it to work out for Stephen Glass. I think, you know, for various different reasons, um, ultimately because it, if he does well, the club's doing well, et cetera, et cetera. But you're right, I think the people at the top of the tree, whether that's just Dave Cormack, whether that's people from Atlanta United who have a stake in the club, people like that need to have a long, hard look at themselves because they've cost the club here. Coming out of, bearing in mind, coming out of a pandemic where we just about covered our costs as a result of insurance payouts and also using transfer fees from uh, Nottingham Forest for Scott McKenna and a hilarious £2 million from Birmingham City for Sam Cosgrove. You know, that, 
that would have been five and three quarter million quid that should have been in our back pocket. Okay, due to COVID, etc., that helped to make sure we didn't leave COVID in a worse place than when we went in. That money there should have been game changing to us on a on a budget perspective. Anyway, you take that and then you can throw in hopefully five million quid from a European run potentially this season. That could have set us up in such a great place for going forward. And instead, we've got nothing to show for it from that perspective. And listen, Dave Cormack or the people that Dave Cormack has attracted to invest money in the football club, they've put money in and that that's fair enough. There's a part of me is almost a bit like, you almost need to front up a little bit more now, like some serious cash this year to make up for the money we're going to lose out on because of the appalling decision-making that happened at the start of the season. Now, we touched on this a few weeks ago um, on the show. I can't remember what episode it was now, but for me, where we are now, it's a culmination of five years' worth now of bad recruitment across the board, and this goes as far back as the Dan McInnes stage. Look at our summer recruitment this year, especially when you look at the fact that now that to all intents and purposes, we, we know that Jet is departing from Terminal 1 after a year being here. I mean, how many of the signings that we brought in in the summer are actually going to be left? How many of them are departing early? Scott Brown leaves early. Jack Gurr leaves early. <laughs> Jet will be leaving on a jet plane. <laughs> um, or a megabus, whatever. Yeah, Matty Longstaff, fucking terrible. More on him later. Samuels. Austin Samuels, garbage. More on that later, potentially. Then you've got David Bates. David Bates, Declan Galka, Marley Watkins, right? So David Bates and Marley Watkins came in at the back end of the transfer window, so they're not necessarily the original, the original group. Teddy Jenks has been completely anonymous, basically. We've seen a couple of flashes of bits and pieces of him, but nothing that makes you go great. Oh, and Gary Woods was signed on a permanent deal. And by all accounts, he'll be away in the summer as well. It's not exactly a great success rate in terms of signings from the summer. Um, for, for me, I've said it before, this, this season is not, if you look at the cold hard facts of where our recruitment has been for the last five years, this is not actually a surprise to be here. You missed out a name in summer recruitment there. Did I? Who was it? Uh, someone I'm prepared to go in two-footed on a little bit later, but Christian Ramirez. Uh, yeah. Oh, I haven't even talked about Ramirez's performance. Oh, we'll get into that in a minute. Okay, we'll get into that in a minute parallels with Sam Cosgrove might come up though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So this for me, and we said it a few weeks ago, but I still think it holds true. I don't think yes, I think yesterday's been coming down or this season's been coming down the train tracks for quite some time. And we've kind of almost sleepwalked our way into it. And we kind of are where we are, which means we're into a potentially a huge, huge summer in terms of squad revamp. We'll come on to that in a minute. Just to talk about the manager. Your thoughts on the manager, just in terms of A, his initial selection, the initial starting 11 on Saturday, and also the substitutions that were made just after the hour mark? I think with regards to the lineup, we were in the fan zone when we saw it up on the big screen, and bearing in mind Ramsey went off injured against Dundee, I'm assuming he was in the squad on an almost emergency basis that he could play if we absolutely needed him. With that being said, I mean, I thought it was pretty much as strong an 11 as we could put out. Ojo, his best work in the season for me has been when he's played in a wide position. And I think he's done an admirable job right back when he's been asked to do it. Um, that being said, he was absolutely atrocious yesterday and lacked any of the energy that I've seen from him all season. It was just a proper pre-season ambling, you know, no urgency, no direction performance from him and it was yeah it was awful but yeah I mean like I say when I first saw the team sheet I was not not fussed about it at all if anything I thought Watkins, Bajowin around Ramirez, McCrory, Ferguson supporting that to me on paper is yeah. a strong you know front five yeah no I agree and then the game happened what about the subs though in this uh, just after the error mark Oh, Jack McKenzie and Connor McClend for Ross McCrory and Marley Watkins. Yeah. Watkins clearly was not fit. Yeah. He agreed. was not playing with any of the level of pace or power within his running that we are, we have come to associate with Marley Watkins. So that part made sense to me. The decision to move McCrory, I assumed, was an injury. I don't think there's been any chat to, to indicate that was the reason why he went off. 
Doesn't seem to have been. And Ross McCrory is probably the one player in our midfield that has the the power to to break lines from midfield um, and potentially get that winning goal. So it was puzzling to keep Hayes on. Hayes was, I don't like going in on Johnny Hayes for sentimental reasons, but he was atrocious, as bad as Ojo was. Bringing a left back on when you need to score a winning goal, I don't know. If anything, to me, it just indicates the lack of options or faith that Jim Goodwin has in the squad and lays bare the the sheer scale of the challenge that he has to start start to take on in the summer. Yeah, um, you touched on it earlier on. It means now that Goodwin has a a one three three record. That's a win percentage of fourteen percent. I have seen a few people saying this today, and it's one I'm just going to throw out there to you, Gav. I mean, he's not getting a different tune out of this squad than what the previous incumbent was getting. Was there value in holding Glass in position? No. <laughs> there we go. No. 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 There's no one individual to lay blame on or a small group, but yeah, it was not working for Stephen Glass. There was simply no, it wasn't simply no way you could point to that and think, well, if we kept on kept a hold of him, then we'd be hit sitting top six right now. Um, yeah. Again, as I've said before, I think this is more a reflection of the absolute clusterfuck that Jim Goodwin hmm. inherited rather than uh, indictment on his his ability as a manager. Okay, fair point. But in saying that, in the seven games now that Goodwin's had in charge, and Goodwin himself said yesterday that that was time enough for him to be judged on and be, you know, to improve things. Have you seen enough in the way of an improvement or a change or anything in what we've seen so far from Goodwin? And again, I said this last week, this is not me in the position of Jim Goodwin out, but have you seen enough in the last seven games to make you think that there's something else here? I've, I've been okay with everything, but those substitutions yesterday really had me worried. To throw that on its head, what would you have done instead? In terms of what we had available to us? Yeah. I would have probably looked at taking somebody like Jenks off the bench, purely because of the fact that Ross Kyle was sitting so deep that it was one of those moments of if you're going to try and do something here, it should be to try and bring somebody in who can maybe try and run with the ball towards their centre center defenders. It's maybe trying to steer away now from the tactic of getting the ball down wide and throwing balls into the box. That would have probably been literally the only... I agree with you about this because you're, you're, you're making the point about the fact that there's no options on the bench. And I agree with you from that perspective. I think, though, pulling McCrory for McKenzie it seems like such an odd switch. Unless, like you said, there's an injury, but there's no sign of an injury. And even if it was, why not just, if, if it was an injury for McCrory, why not just put Jenks on instead? Why McKenzie? I don't understand that. Um, in terms of Watkins, it was clear he wasn't fit. Clearly he's not fit. He's not ready to go for 90 minutes at all. I understand why we started him. I hate going in two-footed on local lads, guys who've come through the youth system. Well, if you want, we can just quote Graham Steele on this one. Yeah, what did Graham say? Uh, Graham in the uh, intake one, <laughs> which has now been resigned to the fucking waste bin. Um, I believe he said that he was excited to see what Conor McLean would do this season. But yeah, as of this moment, he does not want to see Conor McLean in a red shirt ever again. Yeah, that's. I think it's fair enough. I mean, at least a red shirt of the Aberdeen variety. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's had over a hundred appearances now in the first team. Conor McLean. I remember you mentioned on this show, and I was like, "Yeah, stunned." I couldn't remember if it was 150, and then I'm like, "It has to be 100." I think it's just over 100. It's just not happening. Uh, There was a moment yesterday where he got the ball wide. I, I, I kept on trying to do the move again in the pub last night to show one of our friends who wasn't in the game. He's hugging the touchline and he decides the best way to try and get around the player he used to basically hoof the ball at the park and run around him. And it's like, you're not playing on a a bit of wasteland or something where there is no touchline any longer. It's not goals. There's not a board up against the up against yeah, you. Yeah. Can't play a one-two with the wall. Just just all around, just 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 not good enough, I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just, I, the, the subs yesterday was just the first time I think I've looked at things and gone, I just, I'm, I'm not feeling it. But at the same time, you have to go with the road. If he's only seven games in, he's got an absolute shite of a squad he needs to try and try and get through to the end of the season now and address it in the summer um brings me to two other questions now i guess which is where do we go from here um do we have concerns for the rest of this season about being dragged into a potential relegation playoff spot 
where do we go from here? Uh, well, we get the St. Johnston Dogger podcast. Oh, yeah, we can get them back on. Yep, yep. Get in touch with them and uh, get that old uh, collab we talked about earlier this season. Definitely, yep. And uh, now that we're bottom six buddies, where do we go from here? We just try and make the most of it, um, build something out of what we have, just get wins on the board. But I think you brought up an interesting point yesterday where we've been so public in declaring who's not going to be here next season. There are certain parallels you can draw with um, the Hibs team under Terry Butcher that went down. Yeah. Because it just slowly but surely you can just find yourself looking over your shoulder and then before you know it, it's too late. I do still think there we've got enough of a cushion between us and St. Johnston. And St. Mirren have been atrocious since Robinson took over. Yeah. So I do still think we've effectively got a seven-point gap over 11th place. Yeah, and we're effectively a point ahead of St. Mirren because their goal difference is terrible as well, yeah. even though we're 11 points. Although Stephen Robinson's made the same mistake, if you want to call it a mistake, by telling half the St. Mirren team he thinks they're shite. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting the way the fixtures pan out mm-hmm. as well post-split. The concern for me will be we draw St. Johnston away as the first game because it will be at McDermott or it should be at McDermott. Yeah. yeah. So Johnston win that, suddenly they're only three points behind and then it becomes a bit of a worry potentially. Ideally, we want Dundee at home first or something. <laughs> Ideally, we we'll want Hibs first. Yeah, I, I still think there's enough of a cushion um, that we don't have to be. I mean, we should be worried. Of course we should be, but I don't believe, I'll say it now, I don't think we'll finish 11th. Not because of anything we do necessarily. I just don't think the teams below us will have enough to. Yeah, we'll be able to make up the difference. You might be right on that. I think my concern just now is I just don't see us winning a game. I don't see us scoring goals. I don't see us winning games of football. We might get a couple of draws, but I could just be in a state of denial because the one thing I would say is if we were to go into a playoff, I would not trust. I would trust very, very few of that team to have the character to see it through. Yeah, that's my concern. And that also comes back to this idea about has it been a, a mistake, potentially? And we won't know this until we get to game 38, really. But has it been a mistake, you think, in telling, and as you say, so publicly, so many players, and, and it's not even just publicly, there are guys who I think we all know are not getting deals because, again, as we touched on it in the mini pod during the week, the club is leakier than Mel Gibson's Jesus we know there are certain guys who it's not been announced publicly, but we know who are not getting a new deal or they have been told they can go and find other clubs in the summer, even if they are under contract. Does it build that sense of like, uh, you might need to rely on some of these guys, you know, and, and you've just fucked them off out the door already. Well, there's that factor. And then you've also got to consider the guys that have just down tools. Well, yes. Regardless of what their future is. Do you have somebody in mind about that, Gavin? I think I've already mentioned this individual as someone who I believe was counting down the days he was out of Aberdeen when Stephen Glass got sacked, and that would be none other than number nine, Christian Ramirez. Yeah, I just a uh, poor, poor, poor performance yesterday. Um, one nice flick off in the centre circle, a layoff. That was it. Um, um, you know what, actually, I watched the highlights today. His, his first touch for his chance is actually not bad. Okay. But it's a pretty, then it's a weak shot. Yeah, that the keeper is going to save 999 times out of 1,000. But yeah, other than that, nothing. So lacking in basic intelligence as a footballer and just basic ability. I think as well for me, it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I, do I want to level the accusation about desire? Yeah, I think I do. I, I didn't really see enough of that yesterday. I think I, 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 I liked Ramirez start of the season, thought he looked enthusiastic, thought he looked up for it. You know, was, was was scoring goals, and that obviously helps as well. It does feel, and I think you're right, that the body language has changed since Stephen Glass has departed. I don't think he seems particularly bothered about being here any longer. It, it just doesn't look good. And, yeah, body language yesterday, and people will go, oh, body language doesn't matter. It's like, when you look at it yesterday, like, that's a guy who doesn't, like you say, it's like he's down tools. Um and that, this is a, a, a damning indictment again about where our recruitment this season and in January is that we are left with Christian Ramirez and Michael Ruth as our backup. And in a game yesterday where we were chasing a, a win, the manager didn't even look at Michael Ruth to come off the bench. And I'm not saying if Michael Ruth is, is good enough or is not good enough to play for Aberdeen Football Club, 
because I've, I've, I've I don't think I've ever seen him play football for us. I think I saw him. He came off the bench against did he come off the bench against Hibs? I think he um, I think he's come off the bench a couple of times, like last season. Yeah, when you know nothing was yeah. on the line. But you know we've touched on it before. He, he was out on loan at our growth previously. Didn't really do much there. Was out on loan at Falkirk early this season. Scored a few goals, but a terrible Falkirk team. Yeah, an appalling Falkirk team. Um, although I guess you know if you're a striker and the team around you is pish, then you know. But yeah, didn't set the Heather on fire at, at, at Falkirk either. It doesn't look good. Let's put it that way. That's being very polite about things. Um, um, this is the difficulty we're in now because, like in my mind, the other option is Marley Watkins. Yeah, who's maybe not the natural goal scorer that you know Ramirez in the first half season showed he can be, but Marley Watkins can lead the line at the very least. The problem yeah. there is Marley Watkins is not fit. No, he's not. And we've got two weeks now. We've got a fortnight to our next game. Obviously, it's, it's Scottish Cup semi-final weekend next weekend. Maybe they can get some more time in the legs. I don't know if they'll try and arrange some like friendly match or something. Who knows? It's 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 going to be a. I, I am I am a little bit concerned. I'm not going to lie about the 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 running here to to the bottom six. I am concerned that if we do, especially if it's like a St Johnston first and we get beat in that game, the pressure's on, and I. I just don't see us scoring goals, winning games at the moment. And that's that's deeply concerning. Um, I'll put the offer out there. If they need some bounce games, our <laughs> Thursday Night Fives group are available. Absolutely. Definitely. Looking ahead, huge, huge, huge squad revamp coming up in the summer. Thinking about it, when we was going through the, the team yesterday, it was like we, we could be looking at effectively something looking near uh nine players potentially eight or nine players difference in that team i've seen a few people on twitter posting their kind of who stays who goes list a number of people there's three people who stay yeah them being ross mccrory vicente bajewin and Connor bannon yeah now i do think there's still value in david bates i don't think he's a lost cause in the way some people do gallagher has improved I'm not going to lie, him slumped on the floor yesterday kind of annoyed me because mm-hmm. um, it just looked like a bit of a gesture rather than... In the same way with Ramirez, the same way Ramirez did it. Did he do it as well? Yeah, it looked to me like a, that'll be a nice photo and someone can look like I care. I hate saying shit like that, but you know. Um, it doesn't quite match up with what I've seen mm-hmm. from Declan Gallagher on the whole this season, but that's neither here nor there. Like those two, I'm okay if they stay... Ramsey, obviously, Mackenzie, there's still, you know, they're not by any means right off. So I think they're maybe thinking the way that Ramsey and Ferguson are probably gone as a result of transfers. I, I suspect Ramsey's away in the summer if, if, I, if an offer comes in, which is where some of the offers were in January. Yeah. Yeah. And likewise, I think Ferguson will finally depart. But yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge mission to turn it around. And the difficulty is, like, you know, some of these guys, some of them are away. At the end of the season, their contracts expire, but some of them are still here for a year or two. And as we've found out with a number of players, it's not as easy as just saying, right, you're out. We have to find clubs that either want them or we have to find a way to um, to get the players to, to, you know, break their contracts early. And that's not easy. Definitely not easy. Absolutely not easy. Um, we, you, you, you did this one earlier on. Appealed to the solar system. If they could only use one word to sum up the season, what would that one word B. Uh, we got some got some good res- good responses in for this one. Um, Andy McNeil, who in a shite, uh, predictable. Uh, Johnny Main, SSO, single sign on. Uh, that is three words to be fair. <laughs> uh, honking, Tracy Watts, Cormacked. That's Ross McNeil. The McNeil brothers are straying here today on this one. Uh, Champ Man, I like this one. This was good. Champ Man, Davies game. Only the attribute ratings of every player he signs are hidden, and he can't reload the game after every embarrassing result. Lovely stuff. Negligent, shit, Mageddon, catastrophe, mystifying, shambolic, shambolic, transition, painful, unacceptable, lol, fugazi, drich, humiliating, disgraceful, relegation, decline, shit show, pish, concomitant, heartbreaking. Hubris, Hernandez, Horny. I don't know if that's. I'm presuming that's not an Aberdeen fan. No, it is. Just, just loves the bottom six. 
clusterfuck, mints, omni shambles, omni shambles, great stuff, proper thick of it stuff there. Yeah. I'm happy for that to take over from the wrestling references. Yeah, I agree. Vanity Project, Foo Bar, Delusional, Unfinished. Good point. We're not even finished yet. Well, I believe it's Unfinished with a sort of sweating and nervous emoji next to yeah. it. Cormac Eden. I think it's meant to be a play on Armageddon. It's nearly there. It's nearly there. Yeah, I mean, you know... And I don't think any of these are entering into hyperbole, if I'm being honest with you. No, I would absolutely agree with that. I don't think any one of these is entering into that sort of that sort of stage kevin smith i can't read that one out like we, we put an explicit rating on this but there's absolutely no danger i can read that one gav you might be able just to see it in the ah yes 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 yes, yeah. yes, yes. i can't read that one omni shambles i completely agree with that one that's where i am uh from start to finish yep and oh, we haven't even finished yet <laughs> i know we still aren't Fuck there me. yet Fuck we me. still aren't there let's move on so, in other news from Pitodri this week, obviously the big news was Andy Constantine's departure being announced from the club on Wednesday. If you want to check out our reaction to that, we did a mini pod, Gav and myself, giving a lukewarm take 24 hours after the after the event, episode 38 and a half. It's available. Still in the archives. Go check it out. See what you think about it. See if you agree with us. See if you disagree. Yes, the ABZ football podcast where mini episodes last 45 minutes. Fucking right, man. On the women's team, no game for the women's side this week due to... Tell you what, actually, sorry. Yeah. Now that we think about it, when you talk about what would have done for a substitution, Andy constantine has got a habit of uh, scoring big goals. So maybe that was a... Yeah, he does. Maybe that was a trick we missed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Do you think we'll see him again? Jink will play. I think we will. I think we'll see him for a, a farewell appearance. On the women's side, no game for the women's team this week due to international call-ups. Next up is Hearts at the Balmoral in SWPL1 on the 17th of April as the Quines look to finish the league campaign as strongly as possible. For the young team, two games this week. A hat-trick from Rory McLeod secured all three points in the cast under-18 league for Dundee United. As they saw off Barry Robson's side by three goals to one in Dundee, McLeod opening the scoring on 29 minutes. A fine strike into the top corner of Blessing Uliemi's goal. Cammy Wilson nearly equalising with the Dons just five minutes later. But his shot came back off the post with the United keeper stranded. Liam Harvey also going close before the break. But it was the hosts who went in a goal to the good. Pretty much all over as United and McLeod got their second just four minutes into the second half. Another fine strike leaving Uliemi with no chance. The Donstow did grab a goal back shortly afterwards. Liam Harvey with his 10th of the season, latching onto a fine pass from Dylan Lobbin. The Dons continuing to press for an equaliser, but to no avail, and McLeod secured his hat-trick and the points for United in the 85th minute as he scored direct from a free kick just outside the area. And Friday saw the Dons then visit Edinburgh in a match that saw VAR being trialled, and it was a victorious visit to the capital. Alfie Stewart and Adam Emsley with the second-half goals that saw off the Jambos, who'd taken the lead in the first half, via Mackenzie Kirk, who stepped up to fire home a penalty kick via VAR for an alleged handball by Finlay Marshall. Get that VAR straight in the bin already. Look at that. <laughs> Being trialled in an under-18 game against Aberdeen, and Aberdeen still end up getting shafted by a decision. A fine win for the young team, though, against the strong heart side. Next up is the visit of Kilmarnock to Cormac Park. Fair play. Hearts away is never an easy fixture. Absolutely. On to Watch, Cliftonville drew nil with Linfield. Boo. On Saturday to remain one point behind in the Norwich Irish Premiership. Luke Turner once again playing the full 90. No one goals this week with Mark Gallagher not making the matchday squad once again. In the Highland League, Jack McIver with another 90 minutes for Huntley as they drew 2-2 with Clack at Christie Park. No fixtures for Finneats or Tyler McKayta this week. Kieran Nguyen, you're returning to the starting lineup for champions Kelty Hearts as they drew 1-1 with Sterling Albion in League 2. Fellow Dons, Looney, Mason Hancock also playing the full 90 for the Beanos in that one. Evan Tyler played the whole game for Elgin City as they fell to a 2-0 defeat to Stenhouse Muir. Ryan Duncan with 78 minutes and an assist for Peter Head as they drew 1-1 with Dumbarton in League 1. Former Don and figure of fun, Greg Wilde, an unused substitute for Dumbarton in this one. And Dean Campbell returned to the starting lineup for Kilmarnock as they beat Dunfermline Athletic by two goals to nil to strengthen their grip on the championship. Greg's fallen out of favour at the Suns, has he? Who'd have thought it, eh? Who'd have thunk it? M- moving on to Fantasy Football Scotland. 
this week. This is where we have to go and log in the app, which takes about three days to do. There we go. Oh, 60, 62 points for me this week. What is going on? Uh, 54 points. 54. Twice the average. So I'm taking that as a win, to be, for, to be honest. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, 27's the average this week. 62 is looking good. Um, I, I seem to have benefited from Charlie Mulgrew scoring. Have you seen his post-match? I did enjoy his post-match interview. I did um, enjoy that. I'm guessing Charlie didn't think too fondly of Mark McGee at, it, during their time for It would appear so, eh? Um, it's hard to blame him. Hard to blame him. Yeah, 62 points for me. Quite pleased with that. That is nay a bad. Let's have a look at the ABZFP League. I'm just outside the top 100 now. 101. Uh, that took me charging up the table to 196th. Uh, at the top of the table, Jack Curran, his two turkeys still way out in front. 60 points, though. So even, even I thumped Jack Curran this week. There we go, mate. <laughs> uh, 2059. He's still, though, a good... Oh, it's about 100 points, just over 100 points clear of second place, Gold, Frankincense and Gurr. And then in third place, I have 93 points for Timo CRB. 93 points, that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, but there's a few of them in the team, so yeah, there we go. Anyway, keep on keeping on. Only five more game weeks to go in your Fantasy Football Scotland. It's all to play for. All to play for. Some top prizes still be won. Why don't we just remind listeners what exactly those prizes are? So, as I recall, and I can't remember which order they're in, but there will be something from the Fitba Tweets store. There is, I'm sure, vouchers for Fierce Beer, and there is also vouchers for Doric Skateboards, as I recall. All delicious and tasteful in their own way. Absolutely. Let's move on. So, that wraps up part one of this week's show. Join us after the break as we unveil the winners and losers of our inaugural ABZ Football Podcast End of Season Awards as voted for by you, the ABZ FP Solar System. And yes, we are serious. We are dishing out these awards after the shambles of last Saturday. To play us out this half, we are joined once more by the Capolos with their 2021 release, Too High to Sleep. The guys will be playing in Glasgow at the King Tuts on Friday the 13th of May, so check out their socials for ticket information and to keep in the loop with all things Capolos. So here is Too High to Sleep by the Capolos.
This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by The Grill, Aberdeen's oldest whisky bar with over 500 whiskies on offer, alongside a hearty mix of Scottish ales, lagers and much, much more. Whether it's warming up ahead of a cold night in the shed or the beach end, or for a celebratory dram or two after a hard-fought victory, The Grill has been a traditional meeting ground for Dons fans for generations. Add it to your pre- or post-match routine today. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. So, we'd already committed to putting the results of our inaugural end of season awards into this episode. And in a way, after the result on Saturday, there was a temptation to bin the whole thing off. But well, frankly, we've done the donkey work now, so we might as well just crack on. Gav's got his Ryoka cracked open. We're going to yep. sit back. Uh, a fine 2020. It says it's wine of chili on the front label, and then on the back it says it's from Norwich. So. <laughs> I love this. That is amazing. First of all, we have to thank everyone who popped your votes into the poll. This wouldn't work without you. Absolutely. We've had just over a thousand people cast their votes on this, which is remarkable. And it's fair to say that this becomes a pretty neat representation, therefore, of all views across the spectrum of our support base, I think. So we'll just get started, Gav. Absolutely. I think I'll just echo the sentiment there just to thank everyone that's got involved in this and everything we've done in the last 39 weeks it's been much appreciated definitely absolutely so these are in absolutely no particular order whatsoever award number one the prestigious gary mcdonald memorial trophy for the most anonymous player again of the season. i just want to put out there gary mcdonald is not dead no he's not but i, I like don't know it. why we've called them the memorial trophy because we're, mem- we're memorializing his <laughs> career <laughs> obviously a, a sensational unanimous 100% of votes cast for this going to one winner. He was, to be fair, the only box you could tick. But the recipient of the 2021-22 Gary McDonald Memorial Trophy is Matty Longstaff. If someone could hook us up with the address for Mansfield Town Stadium, that would be good. I can't wait to just send that off in a parcel. I'll maybe send it to St. James's Park, actually, instead. That'd be funnier. Congratulations, Matty. Yeah, well done, mate. Um, I hope that that takes pride of place on your mantelpiece when it gets to you. Richly deserved. Award number two, the Aberdeen Football Club moment of the season. I'll be honest, this was some fucking slim pickings to try and put together anything for this. But in order of votes received, number one, the Hearts shithouse goal. For those of you who need reminding about this, this is the corner kick routine that saw Scott Brown and Ryan Hedges pushing and shoving each other before Lewis Ferguson headed in. I miss Ryan Hedges. Mm, yeah, well, it's going well from at Blackburn Rovers. That's in third place. <laughs> it's, going, it's going well for Aberdeen. Yes. That one is in third place in this vote. 10% of the votes cast. Scott Brown, Ibrox, that's all we said. Uh, that achieved 32% of the votes. I can't believe that that's come so high. That's literally just a guy running around living his best life winding up i'm assuming that's focusing primarily on the diving header and morelos celebration so i think it's, i think it's probably that but i think just the whole thing was 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 pretty spectacular yeah but that the diving header was like a rarity but yeah. to top it off with the morelos celebration was kind of a thing of beauty so it yeah, was it was play. absolutely but the winner i don't think there was really any disputing this one was there i mean if it didn't win i would have just manipulated the vote yeah <laughs> agreed agreed with 58% of votes cast, the Fergie homecoming weekend. Anyone that wants to say that we're just too negative about the club needs to go back and listen to some of these episodes. Credit where credit is absolutely due. The club did a brilliant job with that. Knocked out of the park. I actually got the time just to go and look at the statue for the first time on Friday night. It's brilliant. It's a great statue. Well done to everybody involved. 58% of the vote. I might even bother my arse to commission a trophy for this and send it to Cormac Park just to show that we're not total dicks on this pod. I'll try not to be. Yeah, maybe they could put it alongside the statue. They could just pop it on it. <laughs> Award number three, the Aberdeen FC Podcast of the Year. Two contenders for this one. Here we go. 
38% of the vote. The winners of the inaugural 21-22 ABZ Football Podcast, End of Scenes Wars, goes to the guys at Red Tinted Glasses with 62% of the votes. Podcast friends. Golf applause there for Glenn, so he can try and fucking <laughs> chill his golf gear to us all again. He might even try and melt down the trophy and like use that for buying golf clothes. Who knows? And I think we're going to try and organize something with the Red Tinted Glasses guys for later in the summer, which I'm sure will be entertaining to a whole group of people, if not us. Congrats again, guys. Award number four. I like this category. The Meltdown of the Year Award. So there was four options for this one. You had, uh, we, we had, Sevco had two opportunities to win this one. Uh, number one was the rump of fans statement. Number two was their eight point letter to the SFA. Newcastle fans on Twitter, I don't know how we would have presented this award, but never mind for their Matty Longstaff defences. And Dave Cormack and BBC Sports Sound were the, were the four contenders for this one here. I thought this might have ended up being a bit closer than it was, but as it turns out, Newcastle fans, you've you've been let down. Only 6% of the vote there for this one. The Sevco rump of fans statement, only attracting 7% of the vote. Sevco's eight-point letter to the SFA following after a game where a referee denied at least two Stonewall penalty kicks against them, 39%. But the outright winner could it have been anyone else. Dave Cormack, BBC Sports Sound, just you listen to me, Kenny, 49% of the vote. I mean, we did this poll a good few weeks ago now, but it just looks more and more pathetic with every passing <laughs> game. Unbelievable stuff. So there we go. A lesson. So we'll send that to Cormac Park as well. Yeah, we'll send that alongside the, the, the moment of the season one. Or find a find an address in Atlanta. Yeah. A, a lesson for everyone not to stick, not to head on the radio after you've had a bottle of wine. Award number five. Aberdeen FC goal of the season. Again, this was quite hard to pull together a bunch of goals for this. I'm not going to lie. I might as well just listed all the goals of the season. It wouldn't have taken that long. Teddy Jenks versus Livingston, right at the outset of the season, 1% of the vote. I thought I probably should have done better than that, but never mind. It's a good hit. It was a good hit. It's my second favourite goal that day. <laughs> the big man, Jumbo Jet. <laughs> His one and only goal for Aberdeen Football Club against Wraith Rovers. 6%. I feel that that Wraith Rovers game was the day that everything just went to shit. You know what I mean? It was the, um, how would you say? When, it was when the, felt like when the match was lit. <laughs> yeah. Lewis Ferguson against Hearts. This is the shithouse goal. Only 6% of the vote. Again, I thought that would do better. I am pretty sure. Yeah, that was my vote, Lewis Ferguson. Yeah. Uh, Christian Ramirez against Hibs. Quite a nice finish at the near post. Swept it in. It was, it was the one where Brown robbed the boy in the centre circle. Did the wee step over crossfield to Marley Watkins. Ramsey. Ramsey pulls it. Ramsey. Ramsey. In first time finish. It was a good goal. 9% of the vote. Yep. Brian Hedges' second goal against Bretha Blick in the Europa League. 9% of the vote. Again, I thought he would do better than this, but, but there we go. Lewis Ferguson, the opening day of the campaign against Bal Klub and Hecken. Remember that? Remember that? Uh, I remember, remember the optimism. Ah, oh, what a night. 16% of the vote. Scott Brown against Sevco, 22% of the vote. But the winner, your goal of the season this year, is Vicente Bajowin against Hibs, 31% of the vote. Yeah, fair enough. Good finish. Can't, can't really argue with it. Good finish. None of them are great, really, in a, <laughs> none, in none a lot of ways. Um, the best goal out of them, if you're being brutally honest, is probably Jets. Oh, it is. Weaker foot as well. Yeah, it's, 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 it is that one. Yeah, it's not been a season for vintage goals, but no. uh, yeah, it's not been a season for goals. Well, congratulations and happy birthday to Vicente Bajaman. That's right, twenty-one today as we record. There we go. Award number six, Fucking the most hell. improved player of the season. This was my most challenging award. Yeah, and this one, I maybe made the mistake here of making it a free text entry. If nothing else, this was more difficult because it meant I had to like manually count the votes. And thankfully, there was a, fu a function in the, the, the software, whatever, that allowed you to transpose it into a spreadsheet, which made trying to count it a lot easier. Anyway, joint winners, which is remarkable, both attracting 32% of the votes. It's a tie between Funzo King Ojo and Declan Gallagher. So <laughs> in this situation, I feel that we need to have a casting vote 
on the pod. And unfortunately, I was hoping we'd have three of us because, of yeah. course, if two of us agree, then we're totally fucked. But if you have a straight choice between the king or Big Decky, what one are you going for, Gav? This was the most challenging one to me because the question fundamentally is who has gotten better as the season's gone on? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, um, does it necessarily need to be? It could be an improvement from last season. Or an improvement from last season, that's Or that's from what fair. you were expecting, so, you know. So my my answer for this was Ross McCrory. Okay. Because I simply felt he's gotten stronger and better as a player and turned into a competent centre-half, actually. I'm more than yeah. competent centre-half, but um, obviously he's not an option. Um, you know what? I can't call it. Can't so this one's down to you. Oh, I knew you were going to do that. Well, you know what? Right, if I'm going to take it back to base principles for me, it's an improvement about last season. Declan Gakko wasn't here last season, so I can't judge, but I was probably expecting more from a Scottish international. He's come onto a game as the season progressed. Funzo Ojo, I think we all assumed was out the door in the summer. He has come in and has put in some performances, which were better than I would have expected in unfamiliar situations. I'm going to give it to Funzo King Ojo as our most improved player of the season. But there we go. Award number seven. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. That's exactly it. Award number seven. The cinch moment of the year. Now, this was the non-Aberdeen category. Basically, give us your best moment in Scottish football this season. Another free text entry. A runaway winner on this one. There was probably no doubting what was going to happen here. Winning this vote with over 73% of votes polled. Mark McGee's appointment as Dundee manager, or a variation on this. A few people had various different parts, but but it has to be McGee at Dundee. A deserved winner, in your view, Gavin? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not the one I voted for, but yeah, you can't can't take away from just how cinch a moment it was for Dundee to, in the position they were, to sack a manager who'd been, you know, a modern-day... A player with a lot of good feeling, turned manager, gotten promoted to sack him and then bring in Dinkus. Who, who did you vote for then? What was your vote? My cinch moment. Uh-huh. I'm upset that it didn't get more recognition. Alan McGregor calling the Rangers fans fucking arseholes. Yeah, true. That that was that. Yeah, I forgot all about that, to be honest. I think that says also, wasn't it? It was funny at the time, but is it? it doesn't have the longevity of Mark McGee. No, that's true. that's true. And McGee has so much more. I mean, because there were variations of this. There were things like Mark McGee's desktop, Mark McGee being scared of mobile phones, Mark McGee, you know, the selfie thing. I mean, had we done this again a few weeks later, Mark McGee coming yeah. out in the press and saying that he's told his team they're garbage and they're not going to win games would have my vote. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we'll look forward to sending that in a wee parcel down to Dance Park. Sure, he's absolutely going to fucking love that. Absolutely. Well, well, we'll just put it since moment of the year. We don't need to tell what it was about. He'll probably think he's one manager of the month or something. Tell you what, he got a point yesterday. He did get a point yesterday. He did. He did. Award number eight. We're getting into the serious stuff now. AFC Young Player of the Year. This was really, really, really tight between these two players. I suspect this has ended up in a way purely because he's probably played more games this season more than anything. And we maybe still just need to, to see whether the other contender can continue on the ascent he is. But it was a straight fight between Conor Barron and Calvin Ramsey. Conor Barron scooping up 49% of the vote, but Calvin Ramsey sees it off 51%, so just 2% in this one. I, What do you think about that? Where, where are you with that, Gav? Conor Barron had my vote. I think it shows how much Barron has brought in a relatively short space of time when you consider all the hype and all the rumours and all the transfer links that Ramsey's had. He's not been... He's not been good since he came back from his injury, quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned. I thought he played well at Dundee last week. I thought he did. I don't think he did. I think he had a couple of good moments attacking, but still his defensive play is horrendous. I I thought he did okay. I thought he did all right at Dundee. I thought it was his best performance since he's come back from injury was last week. But hey, there we go. I can understand why he's won it, but yeah, I think it's testament to what Barron's done that he was so close. This is interesting, the fact you brought that up, because... Putting it together, I was like, well, who deserves to go in here? And as I was writing, I was like, Barron's only been in the, the first team for about like six games or something at the time I put it out there. And it's like, can you really put a guy in and say he's young player of the year after six games? It's like, well, I didn't really have any other candidate to go up against Ramsey with. Jack McKenzie kind of started the season okay, and he's just been out injured for so much, and I'm still not sure about him. I, I, I hope that hopefully a, a full 
proper preseason again. He gets back up and running and we'll see where he goes. But it's not been, you know, it's kind of tailed off a little bit, I think, from his perspective. A great reflection on the mission statement to make such a big point of incorporating youth into the first team. That's exactly what I was going to say. It was It's like kind of been a bit of a struggle to try and pick guys to even be in this conversation. But hey, there we go. But hey, we, we needed to give Austin Samuels minutes. Uh, yes. Calvin Ramsey picks up the Young Player of the Year Award for 21-22. Award number nine, the AFC Women's Player of the Year. Four contenders for this one. I thought it would be actually quite difficult to split any of the four here, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah. here we go. Uh, Jessica Broderick, 6% of the vote. I think she's been a little bit hard done by there, actually, to be honest with you. Um, probably doesn't catch a lot of the headlines because it doesn't score many goals, etc. but a real solid... Uh, player within the within the women's setup and the captain, obviously the uh, Scotland under nineteens. What I say, nineteens last week. Yeah, sure it's the nineties. Ailey Shore, seventeen percent of the vote. Uh, Francesca Ogilvy, twenty five percent. But the runaway leader on this one, Bailey Hutchison, fifty two percent, has done excellent in the step up in SWPL one. I'm pretty sure it was eighteen nineteen goals she's got for the season so far. We'll obviously be looking to try and just finish the season on a high there and and keep on keeping on. But a really impressive season from Bailey Hutchinson. Made the step up into the national team as well lately. Under 21s, I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she's um, taken to the SWPL one like a a duck to water. So congratulations. Definitely. Absolutely. And award number 10, the AFC player of the year now it's fair to say when we put this together i think we were maybe uh well, it was a few weeks ago wasn't it really when we put our shortlist together for this one i'm not sure one of the contenders would even be in here um, if we were doing it again today but uh, there we go christian ramirez in third spot 25 percent of the vote lewis ferguson on 35 percent. i just had to check I, for a moment there i thought my arithmetic was wrong and i hadn't actually tied this up to 100 percent. that's why i was looking baffled at this for a minute there uh, Lewis Ferguson, 35% of the vote in second place. But the winner this year of the AFC Player of the Year Award, as voted for by you, is number two, Ross McCrory, 40% of the vote. I think that's a, a well-deserved victory. Absolutely. Congratulations. I hope he's not wearing number two next season. Yes. Squad I, numbers are important. Unless he wants number two for some reason. In which he goes, fair enough. Don't there care. Need to be firm with this kind of stuff. And finally. Finally. Award... Number 11, I want this to be like, you know, like when you do your juveniles, your junior football, it's like clubman of the year or players player of the year. What? Oh, this is what they used to do at my boys club for end of season, like awards. They would just like, they would be like, someone would be announcing it, but the one other coach would be like, it's you, it's you. (laughs) Just give you like a little moment to just like steady yourself. Ah, nice, nice. Uh, That never happened to me. Yeah, so I want this to be a bit like, you know, clubman of the year or Players player of the year or whatever. This one's going to be voted for by us. Uh, Graham's not here, but he's given us his vote. Uh, his vote has been cast. But Gav, for you, Babies Ed Football Podcast, player of the year. Contrary to what has been said, I am a man of the people and I agree with the people. It's Ross McCrory. Well, there we go. It's unanimous. Graham's Ross McCrory. Well, he's not Ross McCrory. <laughs> I am Ross McCrory. We're all Ross McCrory. The ABZ Football Podcast, player of the year, it's Ross McCrory. He takes home both trophies will get them knocked up and get them uh, I say knocked up it sounds like I'm going to be doing them in the garage (laughs) alongside the paper mache house of horrors but there we go lovely stuff let us know what you think do you agree with those results I I know there's going to be a few in there that people are not going to be very happy about but that's what happens when you throw polls open to the people isn't it funny feeling I know which one people are going to take most umbrage with but hey which one do you think possibly the one going to the Belgian yeah, but to be fair, right? If you can pick out somebody else, then on you go. The, the people have voted. That's why you can't trust people. This is why democracy doesn't work. What was the line again? People like Coldplay and voted for the Nazis. There we go. Lovely stuff. So that wraps up this week's episode of the APZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever on your podcast. Player of choice, join us next week if you can still stomach it for episode 40. 40 gav can you believe it who's still gonna be listening given the way this season's gone anyway i mean i feel we should be like frank and upfront and say that we're planning trips to montrose and our growth for the rest of the season so <laughs> yeah don't believe uh, anyone if there's not anyone listening this is true this is true uh we're gonna look ahead to our post split fixtures that'll be fun 
we might do a bit more of a deep dive on where we think things have gone wrong this season. We'll have a think about that. I don't know if we've already covered a lot of this already, but I always think it's good sometimes to regroup all this together. And we're going to bring you the latest in our line of exclusive interviews with Don's personalities of past and present. This time it's going to be part one of a two-parter with a man who's probably had the best hair at Aberdeen Football Club in, what would you say, Gav, the last? Oh. Well, I mean, he had various stages of his barnet which were less agreeable than others. Yeah, but I would say the last hundred years. It's part one of our conversation with Lee Miller. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by The Grill, Aberdeen's oldest whiskey bar with over 500 whiskies on offer, alongside a hearty mix of Scottish ales, lagers and much, much more. Whether it's warming up ahead of a cold night in the shed or the beach end, or for a celebratory dram or two after a hard-fought victory, The Grill has been a traditional meeting ground for Don's fans for generations, Add it to your pre- or post-match routine today. 